بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا اللهم افتح اقفال قلوبنا بذكرك واتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك امين يا رب العالمين respected listeners dear brothers and sisters assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh alhamdulillah we thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he blessed us to uh, be here between two fard salahs here in the masjid between maghrib and isha and giving us an opportunity to pray two salah with jamaah and in <coughs> making the knee of i'tikaf while we are present here and inshallah we hope that we will all get our uh, spirituality a boost while we are, are in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we, we are guests of Allah and as it's mentioned in hadith that how a guest the host will take care of his guests similarly we have full expectations from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will answer our prayers and take care of our needs if we are sincere in our uh, ask Allah azza wa jal mentions here in ayah 51 new topic is starting بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الرسل كنوا من الطيبات واعملوا صالحا إني بما تعملون عليم وإن هذه أمتكم أمة واحدة وأنا ربكم فاتقون فتقطعوا أمرهم بينهم زبورا كل حزب بما لديهم فرحون فذرهم في غمرتهم حتى حين أيحسبون أنما نمدهم به من مال وبنين نسارع لهم في الخيرات بل لا يشعرون إن الذين هم من خشية ربهم مشفقون والذين هم بآيات ربهم يؤمنون والذين هم بربهم لا يشركون والذين يؤتون ما آتوا وقلوبهم وجلة أنهم إلى ربهم راجعون أولئك يسارعون في الخيرات وهم لها سابقون ولا نكلف نفسا إلا وسعها ولدينا كتاب ينطق بالحق ولدينا كتاب ينطق بالحق وهم لا يظلمون All right, from this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions uh, addressing all the prophets. How is He addressing the prophets uh, when this is revealed to Rasulullah? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech and kalam is qadim, it's azali, it's always been there. So it's not about what's happening only during the time of the revelation upon the Prophet. It's Allah's eternal word. Allah is eternal word. Hence, although those messengers are not present, but this Quran is not specific to the time in which it was revealed. It's always been present. So Allah Azza wa Jalla is addressing all of those prophets. What is He telling them? Kulu min al-tayyibat. O messengers, eat from good thing, good things, and act righteously. Of whatever you do, I am fully aware. I'malu act right, righteousness, good deeds. 
Inni, indeed I am Alimun, fully aware Bima ta'amaluna of what you are, whatever you are doing So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning here what, How one leads to the other Eating of tayyib and good foods Will inspire a person to do good deeds Eating good and eating tayyib Will inspire someone to do good deeds and This is as the example is given by scholars that food is like our petrol or gasoline. Whatever quality of gas a person puts into a vehicle, that is going to be the, uh, you know, a refined, extremely good, combustible, high quality <clears throat> gas a person puts, it, puts in, that is going to have an effect on how that engine runs. And if a person were to put a mixture, if a person were to put in something that is absolutely not of good quality, then uh, the output of that machine will obviously be much less. So when a person does good deeds, I mean a person eats good, eats halal and eats tayyib, it's not just halal, it's tayyib, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy will, will come in the form of the tawfiq to do good deeds. Yesterday we, were, we, we had, as you are well aware of, a, a, a mashallah brother Saeed Anwar was here, and he gave a, a beautiful talk um, after Salat al-Maghrib. It's available on our YouTube channel, just in case you didn't get a chance to listen to it. We talked. He talked about food. He talked about the fact that Subhanallah, one of the, you know, uh, the Aisha radiAllahu anha mentions that the first bid'ah that became apparent during the time after Rasulullah's passing away was the presence of more than one dish on the table, and how Rasulullah would not. And he was mentioning how Rasulullah would not be eating uh, two different gravies t- together ever in his whole life. So one is to make it halal. One is it for it to be healthy and pure And one it's the quantity All those things The quantity has to be proper The quality has to be good And it has to be properly uh, uh, Ensured that it's halal Halal means Not only is it What you call uh, You know as we think halal means properly slaughtered But it's not just properly slaughtered It's also purchased with proper money It's, it's the A to Z Full package the earning is halal, the purchasing is halal, the methodology used to purchase halal, which, whether it's vegetables or, or meat, if it's meat, it's properly slaughtered. And then what we're eating is also tayyib. It's not all the genetically modified food, it's not all the chemicals that we cannot pronounce the names of, we cannot, we don't know, forget about knowing what it means, we don't even know how to re- pronounce it. Um, it's got like 15, 20, it's like the whole alphabet. You know, in each each in each ingredient, Allah knows best what we what we eat every day. So that's not tayyib. When a person stay, that's why you heard probably from your from we've heard from our parents, our elders, by stay away from the food of the bazaar, bazaar kakhana. Stay away from the food of the marketplace, and then you'll be able to do good deeds. What is that? Because when you eat, stay away from the food of the marketplace, you're staying you're eating very basic foods at home. And it's, there's no processed foods You're not processing all those chemical stuff at home You're eating your, you know, your gravy and your rice and roti Very basic uh, staple diet Usually what we have at home uh, Not too many additives to that And you, it's being cooked by Muslim uh, people Your loving, caring mother, spouse uh, or, or, or whoever A Muslim at home Or a Muslim for that matter as well Male or female <clears throat> and you're doing with dhikr, you're saying bismillah, and you're cooking properly, 
you're making sure the cook is performing, you know, well, mashallah, performing salah, the time for salah is going, we're not going to be sitting there cooking, you stop that and go to the masjid, stop that and go pray. So all of that has an effect on the food. On the other hand, if a person is eating something which is uh, filled with unhealthy ingredients or stuff that we cannot even pronounce or know what what's happening, or cooked in a place by where the people who recite, or people cooking it are not believers in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, are, are, are their hand, not only their hands may be pure or impure, but they are in the state of najasa, the state of filth. They haven't, they haven't taken a proper ritual bath. And uh, there is no, uh, there's music playing, of course, on top, and people are swearing as they're cooking, and all kinds of things. So naturally, then what will happen? The food doesn't no longer remain tayyib. When a person then eats that food, then the actions that come from there are not going to be the same. It just cannot, it just cannot. You know, we all eat burgers and we all eat other things. But subhanAllah, a person can choose where he eats from. It's not about burger itself, it's not the problem. It's about what type of burger and where we're eating from. All these things. So if a person wants to, like they say, go on a sugar-free diet and see how, you, how it changes. Or go on, a, uh, go on some other type of diet. But then there's a person who goes on a diet, say, okay, for four to six weeks, I'm not going to eat anything from outside. And that is cooked outside besides my home. I'm going to eat everything that's cooked under my eyes or under the watchful eyes of my parents or my spouse with saying Bismillah at the beginning and following the you know, beautiful teachings of Rasulullah eating the sunnah foods. 100%, 100%, 100%, the actions that will come out of that body will definitely immediately differ. It'll be different. It will not be the same because what, the, the, the gasoline that has been given to this body is now changed. So this is why the, the, the pious, righteous elders of the past were very particular about what they eat, when they eat, and how they eat, from where they're eating. Very, 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 very particular. Uh, and they would rather go hungry for, for hours on than eating something that they were doubtful of, about its source, doubtful about the income from which it was purchased, doubtful about the, the status of it being slaughtered properly or not, the animal. So we can stay hungry, but we cannot allow ourselves to be eating haram. And that's why that flesh and that meat, uh, that flesh of the human body, the haram, that has been nourished through haram, <coughs> it will go through hellfire to get itself cleansed before it goes to paradise. Because now that, that, that flesh, that, the extra five pounds, the extra uh, body weight that a person has gained through haram, that's all, not, cannot enter Jannah like this. It needs to be purified and cleansed somewhere. It's mentioned about certain individuals, even till today, that they go on a spiritual high, a very spiritual high. But in the state of that spiritual high, sometimes, you know, if you don't have the guidance of, of, a, of, a, of a sheikh or a mentor, and if you don't have the... It's like basically, as one teacher explained it to me, you have an 8-ounce bottle and you're putting in 10 ounces of water in it. What's going to happen? It's going to overflow. Similarly, if a person does not have the capacity to do a lot of dhikr and he overdoes it, he doesn't have a lot of capacity to do some certain extra nafil, you know, un, uh, non-obligatory actions, and he overdoes it. It starts overflowing. And when it starts overflowing, then weird things start happening. You start seeing things, you start do, you know, doing things, etc. Because the water is overflowing. So sometimes there have been instances where people have overflowed, and they started seeing things which, which are meant to be unseen. They just start happening like that. And now you don't know how to control yourself. Like, what am I? I don't want to see this. I don't want to know it. Whether it's angels, whether it's other visions, etc. That's a world that is usually kept away from us. And it's, it's not uh, um, and it's something you necessarily want to see.
So when, when this hal or condition, hal, not something specific, it's a specific condition of an individual who has reached that through accidentally, you know, doing, over, doing too, many, too much athkar, etc. So then there have been instances where they would say, buy, take this individual and just go buy some sweets from the marketplace and give it to him. Just give him the sweets from the market, from the where? Uh, marketplace. And what would happen as soon as a person would eat that, then automatically that kefiyah would be gone. Automatically, what? The kefiyah, that specific condition would be gone. And a person would kind of lose that high, come back right normal. What happened? You've heard stories like this, maybe? Okay, what happened? It's simply the effect of it. It's the outside food, even if it's 100% halal. If the fact that it's being cooked in an environment where not the very best situation is there, you know, Quran is not being recited, uh, clean, pure, hands are, not, are engaging in it, it has an effect on the heart. So this ayah is very telling, it's very powerful, that eating of good food, pure halal food, it will immediately result in a person being motivated to do good deeds. If you want to know where should I get the motivation to do good deeds, a person has to watch what they're eating. If a person's diet is not halal or not tayyib or it's too much, too much, then naturally laziness will settle in and the desire to do good will be reduced. Mm. That is why there's one, one in one poem, someone asked, Qila al-ilmi ayna taskunu? Knowledge was asked, where do you reside? Knowledge was asked, where do you reside? And it mentioned, um, you know, Knowledge responded by saying, "If I remember the, if I remember this correctly, uh, that if, uh, in the, in the turbans, right? Knowledge says, in the in uh, what was it? In the turbans of the fuqaha, right? The jurists, meaning those were the jua. Fakr was asked. Fakr, sorry, yeah. Fakr was asked. Poverty and um, hunger was asked. Jua, faqa Poverty and hunger was asked, where do you reside? And he said, in the turbans of the, of the knowledgeable ones. Meaning, Allah, may Allah make us like this, people, that true ilm cannot come until a person endures difficulty. Knowledge doesn't come until a person endures difficulty, including hunger. What's going to happen, inshallah, next weekend, I mean, a week from now, Tuesday night, or more than likely Wednesday night, uh, you know, Thursday morning will be, inshallah, for us fast. So, what does that do? That you know how much more we are capable of doing in Ramadan. So much more we're capable than we are now. What happened? It came through the barakah of, yes, Ramadan, but it came through the barakah of fasting. It came through the barakah of hunger. So, that is part of the whole aklul halal and aklul tayyib of reduction in amounts as well. Sa'ad ibn Waqqas radiallahu anhu asked Rasulullah sallallahu He said, Ya Rasulullah, can you please make dua for me that I... Um, you know I, I, that I, I become mustajabu da'wat okay he said ya rasulullah ud'ullah and yaj'alani make dua to Allah pray to Allah that I become from amongst those whose du'as are always accept, accepted the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam responded he said ya sa'ad atib mat'abaka atib mat'amak takun mustajabu da'wat da'wa o sa'ad ibn waqqas purify your food atib make it tayyib and you will become amongst those whose du'as are accepted. And then another riwayah, I swear by that being in whose hands is the life of Muhammad. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
a man puts a morsel of haram in his stomach, forbidden food in his stomach. Therefore, the next 40 days, none of his deeds are accepted. And any such servant whose flesh has grown through money that comes through cheating and riba and interest, false, falsely, improperly earned money, be it through lying, be it through uh, 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 usury, interest, then the fire, then that flesh is more befitting to be thrown into fire. And so interestingly, there was a lady who accused Sa'ad ibn Waqqas of stealing and, and <clears throat> of accu- accused him of horrible things. He's a great Sahabi, subhanAllah. And so he, he, he tried to clean out, clear up his name. When that didn't work, he said, okay, Allah, if she's lying, then you know, take care of her. So it's mentioned in the books of Hadith that this lady, she would become an old lady and she became blind and she had a lot of problems and she would be holding on to a wall she couldn't see anything and she would be walking holding on to the wall and would be saying asabatni da'watu sa'ad sa'ad ibn waqqas's curse has ruined me when she was younger she used to accuse him of things and uh, that that accusations didn't go very far allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of the same companion who said ya rasulullah please make dua how can i become mustajab with da'wat and he just said make sure you eat halal and your duas will always be accepted so lo and behold, this lady who messed with him, he said, may Allah you know, take care of you. You're accusing me of stealing your land? You're crazy? Why would I steal your land? Uh, you know, this great sahabi. And so she, in that, in the, in, very soon the world saw that she, was suffer- she had a very bitter, horrible end. May Allah protect us from ever being uh, a victim of anyone's dua against us. May Allah save us from ever doing anything which would m- make us worthy of someone's, uh, what you call, curse. And additionally, may Allah allow us to eat super halal, pure food that will, will allow our du'as to always be accepted. Inni bima ta'amalun alim. Indeed, I am well aware. Look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put ta'amaluna first. I, whatever you do, I am fully aware of. That's been pr- brought first. Focusing on whatever a person does. It's mentioned in the story of, um, in the seerah that um, uh, one of the... the um, Sister of Shaddad ibn Aus radiallahu an, Umm Abdullah. She sent to the Prophet one day in which he was fasting and uh, she sent some milk to, for him to break his fast. The Prophet knew that Umm Abdullah was a lady of not many means, not much means. She was a poor lady. She didn't have anything. So the Prophet asked her, Min Where did you get this milk from? She responded, That from a, uh, from a goat that I have. Then she, he sent another question. Where did you get this goat? And she said, I uh, bought it from such, from such wealth that I was able to procure. Then the Prophet ﷺ drank from that milk. So the ulama write that, look at how Rasulullah ﷺ was, was inquisitive and wanted to make sure that anything that's been given to him is not just, you know, by the way, Allahu Alam, whether it's halal or haram, let's just eat it. He was particular to see where, how come am I, I'm, this milk is being given to me. So, uh, we're supposed to do husnadhan. When you see someone not coming uh, to do what they're supposed to do, when you see someone in a, situa- in a kind of compromising situation, we're supposed to do husnadhan. It's true. Because it's about them and Allah. Why should we even put our nose in there? But if someone, if, but being particular about what we eat, we need to be careful. Because every man, they will have to face their own grave. 
You shouldn't do husn dhan unnecessarily and eat something which is doubtful, is what I'm trying to say. It's not farth to eat, you can just fast. But if you eat some, if something is presented, we shouldn't say it's probably halal anyway. I don't know where it's coming from, but let's just do husn dhan of everyone. Let's, let me not be suspicious about anyone and let me just eat it. It's not about being suspicious about people, it's about being careful about yourself. Similarly, like someone comes and tries to sell you something that looks really fishy. Something that's worth a thousand dollars and they're in the market, they're brand new iPads. Hey, please, two hundred dollars. What are you gonna say? Are you gonna, well, I guess, yeah, some people do, Snowman. <laughs> say he wants to give me eight hundred dollar discount, right? He wants to give me eight hundred dollar discount. What will they say? Uh, no, this is more than likely something that is absolutely not permissible. That's not the place for you to do husnavan. This is the place for you to be careful. For indeed, this faith community of yours is one community, and I am your Lord, so fear me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah here is telling the Prophet wasallam that this ummah in its usul, alright, there is a battle between iman and kufr. But then there's another battle. And that battle is possibly even as worse or even worse than the first one, which is battle within one ummah and its factions and groups fighting against one another. And, and the believers' uh, um, um, sufuf and their lines being broken. Um, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, has warned us many places. For example, He says um, that if you. Do not fight with one another. Do not argue with one another. Otherwise, you will lose your strength. And you will, uh, you know, literally you would say in Urdu, you know, you will lose <laughs> all your uh, energy. Right? You, like so you've deflated a balloon, deflated a tire. That's what literally means. That if you fight with one another, your strength will go away. Yesterday, Brother Saeed, when I was bringing him to the masjid here, he told me something in the car. He said, when I was playing in the team, he was, you know, as a cricket, he said there were times so bad that we didn't even have a coach. We didn't have a coach, we didn't have a game plan. But we were united and we won. The, we won. And there were times that we had the very best, highest paid coach and we had everything in order, but we started arguing amongst one another and we lost. It's not just cricket. It's anything. Definitely in the big matters of deen. When we are united, then even without much, happen, without much uh, preparation, amazing things will happen. And when we are not united, then big problems happen. So this is a warning for all of us, whether it's home or um, in the masjid or in organizations, etc. We have to be very careful of that we do not allow ourselves to fall for the temptations of shaitan to differ. My beloved brothers, if you want to pick a fight, you can pick a fight every single day with every single one. Why are you wearing brown jacket black? I don't like this black. I could say that. And we can start a fight right now. But why are you wearing, you know, brown? So if you, if you want to sit and argue, there's argue for, you can argue about everything. It's true, maybe I don't like this color. So, but that's not the point. He's wearing, let him wear whatever he wants. You know, I don't like this person. That if you want to find faults within individuals, there's no end to how much fighting can happen. So when we are working with each other in organizations or in anywhere else, we have to learn how to be patient and do not allow each other's differing opinions, ways, mannerisms to get to a, such a level that we start bickering and fighting and, and forget the whole purpose. That's what happens. You're, you're literally in a battlefield. 
we have no time to fight. We have to fight the enemy. And that's what the Quran is saying. If you fight with one another, you will not be able to fight the enemy, which is shaitan and your nafs. So the fact that you're getting irritated by someone, and you're so angry, so frustrated, that instead of looking at the enemy, you're fighting with each other, what happened? It means you, you have lost to your own nafs. He said, but why did he say this to me? Why did she say this to me? Etc. No, don't worry about that. What, who said what? That's the nafs. Leave the nafs and focus on what is at hand. That is the enemy of shaitan and nafs. So this is something in marriage as well. That there's so many things that you can argue with your spouse about. So many things you can argue with others in the home. But we should try our best to overlook whatever we can. As they say, pick your battles. Ideally, pick your battle, and that battle should be with shaitan and nafs, not with your spouse. The battle would be with shaitan and nafs. To say, I'm going to pick it. And guess what? We're going to work together on that. We're going to work together on that. Because right now, the enemy is much bigger. Pre- previously, 15, 20 years ago, on many issues, I was firm on, stern on. Say, okay, you know what, man, I'm this thing, I'm gonna be, I'm not, there's no budging on this. Or I'm not going to work with you know, the, the, someone who's got these type of opinions, for example. But now, the biggest issue we're faced with is atheism. So subhanAllah, if you have a workshop with Orthodox Christians and Orthodox Jews or whoever, people, theists who are strong, sure, go ahead. You need to, you need, if, or Muslims of different understandings, different, different backgrounds. I mean, just like live and let live. The biggest issue that we have right now is people leaving Islam. I'm not saying we should become passive about any innovations in the deen. No, if you are in a, a person who has the capacity to change and correct and prohibit from wrong, we must do that. But what I'm trying to say is, as times have changed, the, 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 the framework, I think, for believers is, should also be changing, that we, we should overlook some of the smaller issues and look at, uh, you know, as long as it's not a haram that's being made into halal, people may have different ways of approaching things. Overlook that and look at the major issue is that people are leaving the deen. People are becoming atheists, agnostics, whatnot. That's the biggest problem that we have. And we have to work across the aisle. It shouldn't happen that we're so focused on our own issues that, uh, subhanAllah, like the examples are given, that the lion comes in and goes after, uh, you know, one cow or the other cow, and none of the other cows like, well, it's not coming after me. He's not coming after me, leave it. And so eventually, the lion eats up one cow after the other after the other because each one was looking the other way. And eventually what happens? The last man standing, the last cow who didn't interfere anyone, he's, he's also eaten up. So many times we get so perplexed on this. And now let me add one thing here. One scholar online, Mufti Muhammad ibn Adam actually, this is not something hidden thing. I'm telling you, he posted this on Facebook. Uh, maybe like seven, eight years ago. And he mentioned... That one person came, you all are listening, listen to this. He said, someone came into the masjid and he confessed to him and he was crying. Mufti Sahib, please, I need to repent at your hands. I am so, so sinful, I'm so sinful, I don't know what to do. He said, but what sin did you do? He said, I've done something horrible. He said, what is that? He said, I've been working for certain agencies. Um, he's, he's, you know, I've been working for certain agencies and I've been taking money from them. And what I've been doing is I have been posing, this is remember, remember those chat, online chats they used to have before? I don't think they have them anymore, do they? I don't know if they still do or not. But, <laughs> chat rooms. So, AOL chat, and well, you know, this is after AOL chat, maybe some other type of chat rooms. But he would enter these forms, boards, messaging boards, and he said, I would act three weeks, I would be given a, um, 
um, a duty to act as a uh, as a ahlul hadith, and I need to go attack all the people, for example, the Deobandis and Barelvis, attack them mercilessly. The next three weeks, my assignment would change. I would take a form of a Barelwi. And I would, of course, he's well read. He's read up all the main talking points to antagonize people. And so I'd go onto all the Salafi groups, all the Wahhabi groups, or I would go on all the uh, Hanafi groups and just go attack people. Then third, third, third uh, assignment would be to act like uh, you know, some other group. And the whole purpose which I have been paid for is to cause dissension on the chat groups and attack people. And I've been doing this for years. Three weeks, three months, whatever his, you know, his assignments were. And I've caused so much harm, so much fighting within the Muslims. This presence in the UK. <clears throat> and now I feel guilty for what I've done. So today's chat rooms are gone, but what do we have right now? Eh? We have Twitter. Okay? You all never heard of Twitter? Oh, mashallah. This is an amazing crowd. Alhamdulillah. Maybe that's why you're here, because you don't read Twitter. Maybe that's why you're here tonight. And so, what is there? What's happening? It's constant World War III. It's literally, I don't read it, I'm not on Twitter, but once in a while someone will send me a message, then you press it and you read some nice tweet, and then you, get, you see another tweet, and then another one, and before you know it's half an hour on Twitter. But what do you realize there? It's a completely different alam, a different world. Like you sat, sat in a spaceship and went to a Twitter world. And there's one billion people living there. And they have wars, like crazy wars, that I'm not even aware of. I, you know, I'm, I'm, we're sitting in America, but we heard of Ukraine and Russia at war. But on Twitter, you don't even know about it until you meet someone that, oh, you don't know what's happening? They make ishara. They're, they're alluding to this. I don't know what you're talking about. You're alluding. You don't know. No, I don't know. But this is in the Twitter sphere. All of this happening. It's, it's, and those youth who are on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You get so engrossed in it, so focused on it, that in the process of trying to find out who's, who's right and who's wrong, and who is more closer to the Hanafi school, who is more close to Shafi school, you missed your Isha, <laughs> you missed your Fajr. In the process of trying to figure out who is more authentic and who is less authentic. So this is what I'm speaking about is, there are people online, Allahu Alam, who they work for, but they are 100% commit such harm, that only the enemy of deen would cause that harm. Dissension, calling out people, name calling, you know, and other horrible copy paste, and take things out of context, take videos and cut and cut and cut and paste. I don't know what all sorts of things. It's a scary world. That's why the best thing is you don't watch that stuff. You don't read that deep fakes. Is that what they call them? Deep fakes. Is that what it's called? Right. I mean, you don't know what I'm speaking about. Mashallah, this is like an amazing crowd. Subhanallah. Today is special. Maghrib Isha brings in a different crowd, huh? Between Maghrib and Isha. Yani, you take someone's video, you take someone's picture, and you take someone, and you take a vo their voice, and <clears throat> you are able to put into a computer, take that voice like a snippet of, of the president saying whatever he's he's announcing something. You take that to put into a program, and then you type out what you want the president to say. And he, in that same voice, he will repeat whatever is there. I just, I saw two of them this week and last week. Three, they had it for Biden, they had it for Trump, they had it for Obama. Three of them talking. Did you see any of you see that? All three of them talking. They look, it, I, I think this crowd will 100% believe. Amanna bihada, right? We believe in this. Because mashallah, you still see this out the simple people. But they look at the, all three of them. They're there, and it's their voice, it's their face. And thank God that what they're saying is so ridiculous, you know it's not them. Okay, you know what I mean? But what, what, do you understand how Dajjali this is? 
Like anyone can take my picture from anywhere, take my voice from this recording, and type out whatever they want me to say. And literally you'll be listening and say, but he said that. I just heard it. It's 100% his voice, his t- pitch, his tone, and he's saying this is halal, or he's saying this is haram, or he says so-and-so is a mu'min, or he says so-and-so is a kafir, or he says stand up and do this, and stand up and do that. What are you going to do? This is all, technology is already there. You can go listen online, it's called deep fake. You go listen and whatever, you want. That's, it's already present there. This is just the beginning, it's still starting up stage. Oof. This is why you understand why the Dajjal era will be so hard to remain a Muslim because everything will be so confusing. You'll have no idea who's on the truth, who's on falsehood. You don't know who to believe. Every, the fake is also fake and the truth is also fake. Everything is fake. To be able to go find the truth in that era is like finding the needle in the haystack or even harder. That's why Nabi Wasallam and all the prophets warned us of that era of Dajjal. It's so scary. You cannot believe anything you hear. But I heard this scholar saying that, so we should discredit him. Don't listen to anything online. Just, just give it up. You know, don't make decisions. If someone presents you evidence, say, Allahu A'lam. Allahu A'lam. But there's evidence. Allahu A'lam. Anything can be manipulated now. Any, anything can be made up and doctored evidence. So easy. You know, we cannot trust anything that is being presented. We have to create the skepticism, not of Allah, not of angels, not of Quran and Hadith, but of technology. Create skepticism within your own mind To say I cannot believe what my eyes tell me is there I have to stop believing everything my ears tell me is out there I have to stop believing everything that I think I am seeing And I have to believe what Allah and His Rasul have told me And my dear beloved students and brothers and sisters and listeners One of my uh, hadith that I love to quote on the topic of Dajjal and Which is very telling, very powerful Is a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said I am more aware than Dajjal is of what he is carrying with him. I am more aware than what Dajjal, the Antichrist, right? What Dajjal is, the imposter, the big liar. I am more aware of the tricks in his magic box. What? Magic toolbox, whatever he's carrying. I'm more aware of that. And should I tell you what he has in his magic box? Ma'ahu Nahrani. He'll have two rivers. Yajriyani, two flowing rivers. And one river, he said, Ahaduhuma, one of the rivers is Sparkling, clear water. Ma, it's sparkling, beautiful, clear water. And the other river is narun to ajiju, is boiling, crackling lava that's flowing. Then the Prophet said, If one of you comes face to face with these two rivers, now you tell me, if you see these two rivers, two bottles, one black, a red hot lava, of course you wouldn't even stay here, this will be all be melted, it'll be melting in front of you. And the other one is, mashallah, Condensation you see on it Nice, beautiful, crystal clear water Which are you going to take? The whole If I ask any of you here The entire crowd And a million other people behind you And another billion people behind you All would say I obviously drink from the river That's got the clear Crystal clear Sparkling water And stay far away From the fire If you ask your wife Ask your husband Ask your mom and dad Ask your ustad Your math teacher English teacher Ask your guru What should I do? He'll tell you the same thing Whoever you ask they will tell you the same thing. Why are you asking? Obviously, use your brains, use your eyes, use your ears. Can you heal the crackling of the fire? Why would you go drink from there? This makes no sense. The Prophet ﷺ told us, if you have to make this choice, which will be certain, the people at that time will have to make that choice. Then he said, First thing I'm going to tell you is to close your eyes. Close your eyes, because what I'm going to ask you to do is hard. Close your eyes, and then 
push your neck down, obviously, that's what he meant to say, and put your mouth to where the fire is. It will not be easy. You can feel the heat searing your face. You can hear the crackling of the fire as you get closer. And you're telling me I have to put my lips onto the lava when Dajjal gives me the two options or his army gives me the two options. And the Prophet said, you better do that. And as soon as you do that, you will realize that his fire is actually water and his water is actually fire. Allahu Akbar. Now you tell me right now where we stand today at this time, 7.57 p.m. on this Tuesday evening. What is the level of iman that we have? Do we have that level of iman? That we can actually belie what our eyes see, what our ears hear, what our mind comprehends, and what everyone tells us. To say, you all, I don't care. I'm only, I'm skeptical of everything. I'm skeptical of my eyes. I'm skeptical of my ears. And I only believe in what Allah and His Rasul have told me. Ask ourselves, man, where, do, where will we stand a chance to survive if this were to be brought today? Those two rivers are not in front of us today. But every day, you and I are being forced to choose between doubtful and halal, doubtful and halal and haram. Every single day, in income, in expenditure, in food, in relationships, all over. And we're miserably failing. And so this is, even though this is not that big of a decision, or it's not that confusing of a decision, not that confusing. So uh, this is a key word that we have to create skepticism in our mind for anything that our eye sees, our ear hears. Do not listen and fall for it. Say it could be right, could be wrong. But if Allah and His Rasul said something, 100% that has to be true. This is the iman bil ghayb, the aspect of belief in the unseen is the only thing that will save us from the fitna of Dajjal. And unfortunately, this skepticism today has moved away. And has people are not skeptical. The doctor says anything, he won't say, let me even get a second opinion. The mechanic says something, he won't even say, give me a second opinion. Scientist comes with a weird outlandish theory, he won't even say, Let's, hey, really, that makes no sense. If, if some newspaper decides to choose, to, decides to print some sort of statistic, some sort of study, who goes studies that study? Who goes see how, who funded that study, right? Who's seen that? Who's funding that study? What was the number of, of people that were used in that study? How was the control group? And what exactly, what factors were used? How, uh, actually, how, how rigorous scientific method was applied to this? You know? And uh, what, what, interest, what special interest groups are behind this? No. If it's a scientific study, close your eyes and say, this is why we have to believe it. This, the newspaper said it. We're all part of it. I'm part of it. We're all part of it. We blindly believe what the newspaper or what some random so-called researcher says because it sounds scientific. It sounds scientific. And anytime we say a hadith, qala Rasulullah the Prophet says, ah, I'm not sure about that. Are you sure? That's just really? Which hadith is this? Which Bukhari? But you, what do you and I even know about hadith? About the grading of the hadith? About the authenticity, veracity, and the methods of all of that? We know nothing. We're absolutely ignorant people when it comes to this field. And yet a person will say, are you sure it's authentic? Are you sure it's weak? And the person has absolutely not the slightest idea of what the definition of an authentic hadith is in the first place. But you'll ask these type of questions. This is the normal yani, ignorance outside today. That if Allah or Rasul, if they say something which you don't like, which doesn't go, which doesn't fall with the nafs, immediately a person starts rejecting it. Or saying, I'm not sure if that's true. That doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. And anything, any study that's posed by a newspaper or popular article, regardless of who says it, a person will say, khalas, this is done. So we ask Allah protection from this type of blind following of data, blind following of numbers, blind following of science, without ever looking into the deeper and deeper part of it. And we ask Allah to grant us unwavering iman of the unseen.
Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here in this ayah here says that this is your ummah, one ummah that's not supposed to be fighting. وَأَنَا رَبُّكُمْ I am your Lord. Listen by, at the end of the day, you're all coming back to me. I am your Lord. Regardless of which group you're part of, I'm your Lord. Iman is there. The basic imaniyat are there. Then stop arguing and fighting. Come to the masjid. Come to the masjid. But people have been forced to think in a factional way. Factions have destroyed the ummah today. Factions have destroyed the ummah. We should definitely have an open heart, open mind, and try to be, uh, you know, coming, work on the basics of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. This effort of da'wah and tabliq, why it's so powerful and so beautiful and so widespread, is because you say, listen, you have ikhtilaf of opinions of fiqha, you go speak to the scholar. I'm not a scholar, I'm just a layman. You have an issue of someone, go speak to someone else. I just came here to call you to the masjid. You can ask all the questions. Let's just start praying first. Okay? Then you can figure out everything else. Start doing wudu. Start doing ghusl. Start coming to the masjid. Then everything else comes. So we need more of this. We need people to constantly focus on. Instead of the pie is very big, very large. Let's focus on the 95%, 97% that are disconnected from the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's focus on that bichara group of people. You know? That who are, who are disconnected from the masjid. They're, they really don't care about factions and groups. They're just lost in their desires, lost in their sins. They need someone to simply come, grab them and bring them to the house of Allah. They don't need to hear, come this side, come that side. Just bring them to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we all are surrounded by people like that, who are just completely lost. Bring them, reconnect them, rekindle the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heart. And inshallah, ta'ala, my ustad, my shaykh, Mawlana Abidullah, subhanAllah, he's an imam, of, he's imam for 30, about 30 plus years, Punjab Medical College. And subhanAllah, you know, he's a sheikh of tasawwuf He teaches Sahih al-Bukhari for decades as well And he also goes out once in a while for three days in Jamaat But through his akhlaq As an imam of the university well, What happens? What do you see there? You see in the university, in the medical school Every type of person is coming there So mashallah through that He is taking not only of course Sunni people And not only of different maslaks And different mazhabs and this and that But he's taking Shia and Qadiani also with him And in a matter of three days Subhanallah they convert and let's not talk about Shi'ism and Qadir. Just come, come in the path of Allah. Allah can, just come, connect yourself with the masjid. Connect yourself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they come. And after two, three days, they themselves say, What is this? Can you please, Mulana, can you teach us, Shaykh, what is this? What's haq, what's batil, what's aqidah? Oh, they're ready. But if we start off all these discussions beforehand, you know, first get the person into the university building. Then you take him to the correct room number. If you keep on focusing on this room, room, he doesn't even know how to get into the directions of the university. Bring him in. Once you get him onto the campus, then you guide him to the right room. So we have to learn how to be able to be welcoming to people of all different backgrounds and connecting them to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the greatest work, my beloved friends, that we need to do right now. is connecting those who've forgotten Allah. Ramadan is here in one week's time. This is what we should focus on. Those people who don't even know it's Ramadan, halfway through. You think that doesn't happen? If Ramadan comes and goes. Ramadan comes and goes. And you will meet people, sometimes working in a gas station, sometimes working in a coffee shop. And you say, Salaam alaikum, and Eid Mubarak. It's happened with so many of us. Eid Mubarak. And literally the guy will look at you and say, Oh, when was Ramadan? Muslim brother. And no idea when is Ramadan. There's thousands and millions of people like that. They have no idea. So this is the perfect time in the, when the hearts are soft. And the rahmah of Allah is pouring down. We tell those people, By mashallah, it's Ramadan. Also, here's some iftar. Say, I'm not fasting. Okay, no problem. This is my iftar. You share. And you know what? Why don't you come for one salah in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Let's leave everything else behind. Just come. I'll come pick you up. This is what we should all be aspiring this month. All of us, let's aspire to bring some people to the house of Allah who have not come for years. 
If someone loses their son, he disappears in a grocery store for three, four minutes. If any of you lost your kids for the grocery store, department store for three, four minutes, what happens to you? You feel like, you know, you're going to die out of, uh, out of anxiety. Someone picks them up and brings your son or daughter back to you. How do you feel? Imagine if your son or daughter, Allah forbid, older son or daughter walks away from home, whether they were sick or whatever the case may be, walks away, and they're missing, gone missing for a year, six months, five months, and someone eventually finds them and brings them to you. How happy you will be. All these people who have left the deen, left the masjid, left salah, what are they, my beloved friends? They have runaway slaves from Allah. They have runaways. They've, they've gotten so... Now if you go grab them and hold them and bring them back to Allah, imagine how happy Allah will be. Imagine how loving Allah will be towards you that you brought his runaway slave back to him. And that's what a true empathetic ummati does. That you go, your empathy and your sympathy and your love for the ummah should be such that no matter how far away a person may be seemingly from Allah, don't ever judge anyone. Don't ever think someone is doomed to hell because you have no right to judge uh, about whether who's going to Jahannam or not. We don't even have a right to, to say with certainty that we're going to paradise. We can only hope that if we die with Iman and Allah forgives us, we'll hopefully make it to Jannah. That's a hope. But by, by, for sure, we cannot say that with certainty. So this is something we should make a point to do. Your clients, your patients, your business uh, you know, contacts, uh, and those youth who are here in college, high school, <clears throat> reach out to them, friends, Muslim especially, in the month of Ramadan, and try to connect them to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, this is an excuse on a random... <laughs> Tuesday you might find it, or yeah, at least you can say it to tafsir, but let's say a random day, it might be hard to connect a Muslim brother back to the masjid. And for the sisters listening, for a Muslim sister. But now you have an excuse. He's like, hey, what's the big deal? What's that? He's like, brother, this is Ramadan. This is the first week. This is the last 10 days. You know, Ramadan, one day left. And so that might be an excuse for someone to actually come towards the deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm your Lord, not just a Lord of one people, Lord of all of you. Fattakuni, so fear me. If you cause ikhtilaf within the ummah, if you cause dissension within the ummah, how will we face Allah and His Rasul on the Day of Judgment? That was the thing that Rasulullah hated the most. He was afraid of this the most. He did not want the ummah to fight with one another. So my beloved friends, wherever we are, let's try to join the hearts. Let's connect people. Let's never become a means of a fitna. If you cannot help, peace out and leave. Say, I'm sorry, I gotta move on from this community. I gotta move on from this place. I gotta move on from this organization. Yeah, that's it. If you cannot, but don't stay in that organization or stay in that community and cause a fitna. Right? Simply realize that I don't get along with, these, with, with your mizaj, with your temperament, and let me move to another town. Ardullah wasi'ah. Allah's earth is very wide and expensive. But to stay in a place and to cause fitna is something that is what fitna to ashaddu min al qatl. Allah says fitna and chaos is worse than murder, worse than killing. Yet those who came after Rasulullah, those who came after the prophets, in the, past, in the past nations as well They split into factions amongst themselves In the matter of their faith Each party exulting in whatever they had taken hold of And without any authority calling it the truth So after the Nabi dies Everyone says Hey, I am the chosen one I am part of the chosen group And I am right and everyone else is wrong Okay, I am a nose ark And everyone else is, flood, is dying in the flood That is not the right uh, you know, perspective. Even in the, we say the four schools of thought, all of them are, are within the sharia. All four schools of thought are haq. And if you are following a specific school of thought, which is highly recommended, definitely, Hanafi, Shafi'i, Malik, Hanbali, what do we say? We say, 
our, our scholars of this school of thought, not just Imam Hanifa, all the ones who came after him in that school of thought, they are, my aqidah and belief is that they're more than likely more correct than the rest. That's why I'm following. If I didn't think they're more right, why would I follow them? However, there's a possibility of them also being incorrect. That's, that's the respect that you have for everyone. To say, more than likely, I, I have this trust that they are, they've gotten the sharia, understood it better than others. But there's a possibility that they made a mistake. That's the humility that you have to have while the conviction at the same time. You join it together. <clears throat> Instead of thinking that I'm just going to be rejoicing over what I have and everyone else is wrong. فَذَرْهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So leave them in their overwhelming ignorance for a preordained time. Allah is now getting upset at these individuals who fight with one another, who argue with one another, okay? And who do not follow the deen, etc. Allah azza wa says, they leave them. They don't, they don't listen. Leave them to sit and talk about all these things. Now, ذَرْهُمْ It's only used in past tense, like um, other, some other, other words. And... <clears throat> um, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Leave me and those who be lie. Leave me. Leave me and the one who belies the, the, the Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that leave them to me, I will take responsibility of their punishment and do with them whatever I want. Or leave them to do whatever they want until my punishment will automatically befall them because of them deserving it. Now the word ghamra, what does ghamra mean? Ghamra is when a person is drowning in so much water that the water reaches the level of his head, his height. And now he is below the, uh, the water line and he cannot breathe except for whatever. I mean, he's just basically can't breathe. He's, he is going to drown. Whatever's inside oxygen is left in his lungs, that's it. Nothing more than that. That's called ghamra. And so, how long can you last? Not much. Similarly, these people are not going to last in this type of ignorance. And it's overwhelmed them like a drowning person overwhelms, is overwhelmed. Similarly, their ignorance is over, overwhelming them. Ayahsabuna, do they actually think that because of the wealth and the sons we have provided them, amadda yumiddu imdad, right here, numiddu, we're constantly giving them money, constantly giving them not only children, but sons. People like to have sons for them to carry on their business, etc. Do they think the fact that we're giving them this wealth and sons, that, that we are hastening to grace them with good things? Do you think the fact that you have all this good wealth coming your way, you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being extra kind? You know when they say, how's life man? Business is growing. God has been real kind to me. Well, if you have not increased the amount of times you visit the masjid, God has not been kind to you. That's what He Himself is saying. Don't think I'm being kind to you if I give you a ton of money and a ton of children, but you don't, you don't re replicate that or reciprocate that rather, reciprocate that with ibadah. Don't say Allah shukar. In South Africa, they say Allah shukar, you know? As I say. But how is doing? The Allah shukar. And you know, in Pakistan and South Africa and other places too, they have this ayah written there. Which one is that? MashaAllah. Everyone knows. Adam in Paldi Rabbi. This is from the grace of my Lord. They put it in their market, they put it in their store, they put it in front of their bangla, they put it in their mansion. Min Fadli Rabbi. This is from the grace of my Lord. You heard of this? Right? Now, what how do we know that's Fadl of Allah? How do you know that's the grace of your Lord? How can you say that? If that mansion has been built and after that you never came out to the masjid, that's not a grace. That is your punishment. And, and I you know, this is so out of, taken out of context. Because you know where this ayah comes? 
Surah what? Surah? Huh? We did we did this in tafsir. Surah Yusuf? Namal. Jazakallah khairah. Who said that? Oh, mashallah. I didn't know you memorized Namal. Mashallah. Okay, great. Alhamdulillah. See, it's some Sitting all the way there, he's, he's saying, Namal. Surah Namal, the, the, the surah of the ant. And the story of Sulaiman alayhi salam. And he's saying that when he sees the throne of Bilqis right in front of him, like this. He's like, wow, this is crazy, right? His, the, one of his subordinates, a jinn or, or someone who, who had the ismul a'adham, he, he said, I'll bring this, the throne of Bilqis before you blink your eye. From hundreds of miles away. Something that weighs probably thousands of pounds. Imagine this, you open your eyes and it's there. And he is one of the guys who reports to you amongst the millions and thousands of jinns and humans that are reporting to you. What does he immediately say? This is not me. This is the grace of my Lord. And then, all of this is to test me. Who's saying this? Sulaiman alayhi He's testing me. Am I going to be grateful? I'm akfur or I'm going to be ungrateful. Allah, why don't we? Did you, did you see this ayat part written with Adam for little Yeah, they just cut it out. It's not. It's in the middle of the ayat. They cut it from the front and from the back, and they took it out of context in the place in front of the store. From the, why don't you write the rest of it? Why don't you write the rest of it? That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is testing me to see if I am grateful or ungrateful. Subhanallah. So you, it's good to write this ayah, fine, but write the rest of it too. So this ayah, this surah is this. I'm sorry, this section here of what we're studying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, don't think if you have a lot of wealth coming your way or children that automatically this is a good sign. Do you think, that we're hastening to grace you with good things? <laughs> no, 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 indeed. You do not understand. You're not perceiving all of this is part of a test. All of this is part of the test. Subhanallah. These ayats are really powerful. I told you last week someone asked me a question. I said, okay, next week you're gonna, we're going to cover the answer. Remember that? What was the question? They said, how do we know? If blessing and uh, how would you know if wealth is blessing? So that's the answer. You got the answer right here. You know if you are motivated to do more good after you got the health and the wealth and, the, and all that, then alhamdulillah, then this is a blessing. But if that business and that promotion has taken you away from the masjid, away from the deen, then that's not a gift. This is what we call in Arabic istidraj. What is it? Istidraj. <clears throat> and this is also mentioned in the Quran. Inna ladina kathabu bi ayatina sanastadirijuhum min haythu la ya'lamun. Surah Al-Araf. Last portion of Surah Al-Araf. Indeed, those who belie our signs, sanastadirijuhum, which daraja means steps, stairs. Sanastadirijuhum means we will make them, we will pull them, reel them in, and make them slide down the stairs without them realizing. It's like without you realizing, you're slipping into hell. And it's not immediate because if you're immediate, you stop. Oh, stop, stop me. Ya Allah, please forgive me. No, it happens dhira dhira, step by step, slowly, slowly. Before you know it, you've lost everything. That's called what? Istidraj. It's so scary. This thing is so scary that as, as a person is thinking that I'm actually getting closer to, oh, I'm, just, I'm in a good state, but he's actually not a good state. He is slowly, every single day, getting closer to hellfire. That's called istidraj. Like um, a person has, you know, a, 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 a trap. You put, a, you put cheese And you're not there because you said Oh subhanallah I heard about rahmah And empathy Let me have empathy With all the mice 
and let me go put out cheese in my business or my house. That's not empathy when you put cheese in a mouse trap or, or trap or a rat, rat trap. That's called istidraj. The, 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 uh, the, the rat or the mouse sees that cheese and says, oh, this is great, small, small piece. Oh, let me have some more, let me have some more. Caught. So he's enjoying, he should stop. Another example of istidraj, ulama <coughs> give is of a worm. A worm that's put on a fishing rod. And it's not like all of a sudden you're empathetic towards all the fish under the sea, like, Ya Allah, I need to take care of them. I'll let me go. Let me get a bunch of worms and go feed the fish. The fisherman doesn't really care about that. He wants to actually he wants to enjoy a nice fish barbecue. Alright? So he's actually putting the worms on the hooks, not with the desire of feeding the fish, but rather of eating, on, eating and feasting on the fish. But you can't just grab a fish like that. You have to do it slowly. So when that fish eats or bites through that worm, so, mm, this is very tasty. And it, it doesn't stop. It should have stopped. Look, brother, is there only food for the fish, that, the, the worm there? Who told you? That's the one thing you're not supposed to eat is a dangling worm from the top. Eat anything else you want. But go down, go right, go left. A million miles here, a million miles there. Why do you have to go to that one dangling worm from the top? Shouldn't you even think that? Why is this thing dangling from me in the first place? But no, the fish bichara is just like us. Foolish. He said, no, I'm not going to eat anything. I want that fish. I want that worm. Just like we say, I want that haram. There's a million avenues for halal. Why we go after haram? So that fish also, unfortunately, doesn't listen. Someone give this beautiful example. Mulana Omar Paran Puri, I think so you'd give this example. SubhanAllah, beautiful. You give an example of like a swan or a, or a goose or a geese. You know the geese, what they say, they, they've got, they're, they're birds also and they're, and, they, and they're also swimming. So one, one big swan comes out and says, uh, you know, he sees there's a fisherman sitting there and so he puts his beak down into the water and tells the fish there, listen, there's a fisherman there, okay? And I see him, he's coming, he's preparing. He's got a fishing rod and he bought with him a bunch of worms and like, whoa, what are you talking about? How does a fish, what's a fisherman? He says, trust me, just, just there's something called a human being. And he's there and he's got prepared a fishing rod and he's got worms there also and next to him he's got a big fire. It's like, what's fire? Never heard of fire. Okay, just, it's bad. It's not something you want to see. And he's got these big knives and he's got big bottles of red pepper and salt and all this stuff and they don't have no idea what they're talking about. But he said, I'm telling you that he's gonna, what he's gonna do, very soon he's gonna put that fish there, a worm on that hook, throw it in. You can go do, but for Allah's sake, don't come here. Because as soon as you do that, what's gonna happen? He's eventually, you're not, once you start eating it, you'll enjoy it so much that you won't stop until it's too late. And when is it too late? when you will feel the tug when the hook goes in and once you feel that tug try your best to run and you can't run nothing in the world will be able to save you at that time it's game over and he'll pull you and then he'll take a big huge massive knife cut you alive and then clean you remove everything from scales then put you on a hot fire and put all these salt and pepper and all these other things and then on top of that him and his friends will eat you so of course the fish, you know, they're laughing. Like we never saw a human being. We never saw fire. We never saw salt and pepper. We never saw a knife. Everything's fake. But then he says, I'm telling you, I just saw it right now. I can see. Look, I'll go up. I see it right there. As I'm telling you, just trust me. You don't have the vantage point that I have. Don't you see? I'm above you. I can see what you can't see. So just believe me. But they don't believe. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So he would give this example of Omar Puri. He said, this bird or the swan is like the prophet's. 
they see the revelation. They see things that we human, non human beings who don't receive revelation can't see. And they have this trust and they're seeing Allah, they're seeing Jannah, they're seeing Jahannam. They see everything and they're telling us, you can do whatever you want, just stay away from haram. If you eat haram, if you indulge in haram, if you invest in haram, if you watch haram, if you listen to haram, it's very tasty, it's very sweet. Once you go that direction, you won't be able to make a U-turn. And what will happen? That tug is death. When the death rattle begins and you say, I now want to make tawbah, the angels will say, it's too late. Too late. Even Fir'aun made tawbah at the time of death as mentioned in the Quran. But it was told to him, too late. You can't do anything now. And then there's Jahannam, this fire. Your, absent, your ignorance of this or not seeing it cannot be used as a proof that it doesn't exist. Because you do not have the vision that I have. The Prophet says, I see what you all don't see and I hear what you all don't hear. And you know, the hadith carries on. What a beautiful example, subhanAllah. So Allah has made things halal for us majority, but there's just a few juicy worms out there, they told us to stay away from that. As long as we stay away from those haram, we will see that subhanAllah, we'll, we'll be successful. So should, we should not think that the abundance of wealth and the abundance of so-called blessings is a sign of Allah being happy with us. This is called istidraj. Just like that worm, juicy worm for the a fish is istidraj. Yet as those who are indeed cautious out of fear of their Lord And those who believe in the revealed signs of their Lord And those who do not associate gods with their Lord And those who give charitably all that they give Look at all that they give has been left ambiguous Why? Because we're talking about nafil sadaqah, not zakat here Allah is just saying they give so much all whatever they give Wajilatun They are trembling, their hearts are trembling Because they know that they are returning to their Lord Allahu Akbar these people, look what they're doing. I'm going to do it one more time. The flip side, they fear Allah already. They're cautious of what they're doing. They believe in all the signs. They don't commit shirk. Well, this shirk is not the shirk al-jali. This is shirk al-khafi. Not just ascribing partners with Allah. It means they don't, they're not even... What do you call this? Um, they, 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 uh, they, do, they are not... They don't have riya. They're not, they, are making, they are sincere in what they're doing. They are sincere in what they're doing. They're not conceited. And they give all that they give. They're writing checks for thousands of dollars. They're donating tons of gold. They're turning to all their clothes. Whatever. Wajilatun. And their hearts are trembling. What if all of this doesn't get accepted? What if this doesn't get accepted? These are the people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they stay awake majority of the night. And they are seeking forgiveness from Allah and begging right before Fajr. They didn't spend all night in haram. They spent majority of the night in Ibadah. But they are crying before Fajr at the time of Suhoor because they're afraid that the quality of the actions is just not good, worthy of acceptance. Who do you see after an exam is worried? The guy who cares about coming first, second and studied all day, all night or the ones who's at the bottom of the class? The ones who play and fool around, they don't care. They write an exam and they go have a burger and they go, they go play pool and they, they relax, they don't care. And the guy who studies hard, he, by, he stayed awake all night for the past for so many weeks. He's the one after the exam, he's also having a panic attack. I can't wait what, to see what happens. I can't wait till I know my scores. Pray, you studied so much. Look at that guy. He didn't study anything and he's playing, you know, at the pool table. Why are you so worried? It's a difference. Because he didn't do anything. He doesn't care. I care. The more you put effort into something, the more you will be afraid of it not going well. And so the people who are closest to Allah, who do the most ibadah, who are the most sincere, they're the ones who are afraid the most about their scores. 
So when you are over relaxed, you say, ah man, Allah is my buddy, everything will be fine. That's not like you actually deserve to say that. It's just being over relaxed. Because it's like that same guy who never studied anything and comes out and says, we'll have fun. Come on, let's go, let's go. Everything will be fine. Nothing will be fine. You know you're a failure, right? But, but you want other people to just, you're trying to, you, should, you know, misery loves company. <laughs> so that's what it is. So we, we need to realize that if we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, we need to work and deserve it. We need to become deserving of it. And, and, and we, we're all, we all have to work in that direction. It is those who hasten to exceed one another in good works And they are indeed foremost in attaining them These are the people who are not content with being third, fourth in place They want to be first All the time In the akhirah, in the deen And they're constantly worried about falling behind May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you and I from amongst such people May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring these beautiful qualities within us And may Allah save us from istidraj and save us from insincerity as well. Inshallah, we'll do a couple minutes of dhikr before Isha. And uh, next Tuesday, inshallah, will be final dars before Ramadan starts. So do come next Tuesday after Maghrib, inshallah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 La ilaha Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sallallahu ala 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 Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam astaghfirullah 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 <laughs> استغفر الله الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام ولك السلام والبارك على الجلال والاكرام اللهم عني على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عادتك اللهم لا مانع ما اعطيت ولا معتر ما منعت ولا راد ما قضيت ولا ينفع ذا الجد منك الجد اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا واسرافنا في امرنا وثبت اقدامنا وانصر عن قوم الكافرين ربي اغفر وارحم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت العزيز الاكرم اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموتى المسلمين اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم انا نسالك لسانا ذاكرا وقلبا خاشعا وعينا دامعه ونفس مطمئنه بك ولقائك والله اكسبت از جاذرينج والله وات ايفر شيرد واز ان هيرد يا الله اف اتس وورثي اوف اني جود يا الله ميك ات ايزي فور اول اوف اس تو بوت انتو براكتس الله اس تو بروبيجيت ات الله اس تو بوت انتو براكتس يا الله وي اسك يو الله اس تو اول ليد ساتش لايفز ار ان ان ا مانر ذات از بليزينج تو يو ان اكوردنس تو ذا سنه اوف ذا بروفيت صلى الله عليه وسلم والله سيف فروم اول سبيريتشوال ديزيزز اند فيل اور هارتس وذ يور لوف ذا لوف اوف ذا قران ذا لوف اوف ذا سنه اوف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذا لوف اوف ذا فاميلي اوف ذا بروفيت صلى الله عليه وسلم والله ذا لوف اوف اول ذات ويچ يو وانت اس تو لوف والله انسبير اس تو دو تو ليد ساتش ا لايف يا الله ذات ويل بيكم ا مينز اوف اور سكسس ان ذس دنيا اند اخره والله وات ايفر بيرميسبل ديزايرز اند نيدز اني ون اوف اس هاف وات ايفر تايب اوف ديفيكولتيز اني ون اوف اس از جوينج ثرو او الله وي اسك يو تو ريموف ذوز ديفيكولتيز جرانت اس اكسبتنس جرانت فورجيفنس سبحان ربي رب العزه ثم يصفون السلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين ان شاء الله we'll have uh, uh, multiple taraweehs taking place ان شاء الله from next week when ramadan starts i just want to announce that we have a 7 day taraweeh a 15 day taraweeh and we'll also have a weekend only taraweeh if you know anyone's traveling cannot come to the masjid on monday through friday or monday through thursday we'll have a friday night and saturday night taraweeh it'll be completed within about 8 days friday night saturday night friday night saturday night every weekend so for those who are not able to